Next on Death and Entertainment, Adrienne Shelley was a veteran writer, director, actress, enjoying recent personal and private success with the birth of her daughter in her smash hit film Waitress. So why in the world would she kill herself? Live from Los Angeles. 911, what is your emergency? Here in Hollywood now. Two counts of murder. Injury and death. Oh my God. Shocking new details that has stunned the entertainment world. Um, this makes me a little nervous. The hair stood up on my arms. Just like in the movies. Ah! What do you call this thing anyway? Death in entertainment. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Death in Entertainment. My name is Kyle Plouffe. My name is Mark Mulcairn. And I'm Alejandro Dowling. And this episode is taking us all the way back 15 long years ago. Oh, man, those were the days. Yeah. Those were the days. (laughs) To the fall of 2006. Okay, so November 1st, 2006. What was going on in the world around that time? Alejandro, is that something you could help us out with by any chance? Absolutely. Well, uh, the number one movie at the box office was Borat. My wife. After that is Happy Feet. My feet. (laughs) I believe Brittany Murphy did one of the voices in that. Oh, another episode. Let's not talk about it. Before she... Oh, okay. I'll, I'll save it for another episode. Spoiler. Spoiler. Uh, number three is Casino Royale. Bond. Daniel Craig's first outing is James Bond. Ooh. Good movie. It was okay. All right. Well, we, we'll stick a pin in that. We'll talk about it later. It's got that uh, <laughs> big poker scene. Yeah. Yeah. What was number four? Number four <laughs> is the Santa Claus 3. My Boo. Three. My, my Santa. My Santa. <laughs> so Tim <laughs> Allen... A little trivia here. Tim Allen had already made two Santa Claus movies by this point. Oh, where'd you come to that uh, conclusion? And number five. <laughs> number five is Flushed Away. What the hell is that? I do not know what that is. <laughs> My toilet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Flushed Away. Okay. I missed that one. Thank God. On the billboard charts. I, you know, I'm going to be kind of crazy. I'm going to start at number five. Ooh, going back. Justin Timberlake, my love. My love. (laughs) Number four, Justin Timberlake, sexy back. Hey. Enough already with the Justin Timberlake. Number three, Justin Timberlake. No, no, no. (laughs) Or I mean, hinder. Yeah, almost Lips of an angel. Number two, is that? Oh, Akon. Smack that. Smack that. (laughs) Smack that. All on the floor. Smack that. Every, every one of his songs like remind that. me of like a ringtone or something. Oh, they were my ringtones in college. Oh my god! Yeah, horrible. Yeah. <laughs> you were annoying everybody in class when your phone. Sean would go Paul, up. Three Six Mafia, and Akon were all my oh my, my god. ringtones. Wow, you were trash! You were that guy. Yep. And how about number one here? Ludacris, Ludo. Money Maker. Mm-hmm. Mm. That was that one of your ringtones. Uh, I, I honestly, I'm a big Ludacris guy, but I don't know this song. I'll, just the name of the title, I don't recognize. That it. was your doorbell. Yeah. <laughs> so you were into Ludacris, but when he had a number one hit, you yeah, I was did out. not care. Yeah, I was out. So I was yeah, more of a 2004 Ludacris guy. Word of mouth. 
I like when he did Cadillac grooves. Mm-hmm. See my Cadillac spills. So check he, out the oil my well, Cadillac yeah. spills. Why is he bragging that he needs like his radiators fucked it's, up? It's something? all fucked up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, car, the car is not driving well. There's issues. <laughs> Why is he bragging about his leaking oil? Well, yeah. this was in the time of like Pimp My Ride when they literally wouldn't even fix the car. They would just give it like a nice paint job and put yeah. a fish tank in the back. Yeah. The guts of the car were still fucked up. Yeah. It was like, all it, fucked. Yeah. It had like a fish tank uh, hubcaps. Yeah. <laughs> Popcorn machine in the hood <laughs> it, it couldn't drive 10 miles <laughs> to get back to borat for a second i remember seeing on halloween in madison before it even was in theaters everybody was already dressed up as borat wait so like everyone just in town was dressed up as borat <laughs> on already? halloween oh okay halloween and they hadn't even seen the movie yet that's how huge it was. It wow. was huge before it well, even. Well, Halloween was the the day before um, this came out. alleged yeah. thing happened. Yeah. 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 Okay. This is November 1st, which. Get ready. I'm just going to tell you guys right now, is my birthday, by the way. Yay! November 1st, I turned. I'm not going to tell you guys how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> but that is my birthday. Also happens were... to be All Saints Day. Wow. You were celebrating your 30th. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> get over here. Get, get out of here. Um, so Ed, just to give some background here, Adrian Shelley was a writer, director, and actress who acted in an uh, in offbeat indie movies like The Unbelievable Truth, Trust, and Sleeping with Strangers in the 90s. Um, she was born Adrian Levine in Queens and began acting in local plays at the age of 10. She went to Boston University. Kyle? B- Boston. <laughs> Wow. Boston and <laughs> the you dogs in the house. Yep. <laughs> um, she eventually dropped out her junior year and moved to Manhattan to pursue acting full time. Um, in the late 90s, she started writing and directing her own stuff like Sudden Manhattan and I'll Take You There with Ali Sheedy. I don't know why I feel the need to t- say Ali Sheedy's in that, but she is. She's a big actress. Um, <laughs> and those first movies you mentioned, uh, yeah. she one of them was, I want to say, 1989 trust yeah no uh, uh unbelievable truth was 1989 i think trust was like a, a little before two, that a little they, after that, okay it's like a quintessential indie movie yeah i watched it uh getting ready for this because i had watched it on ifc like back in the day mm-hmm. ifc would just play some weird like you know indie movies like this and it's a weird movie i, I don't know martin donovan the guy he's like a famous actor kind of yeah. like famous background actor now he, he was that was on, like one of his like, first movies weeds and Yep. He shows up in, I think he was actually in that Christopher Nolan uh, Tenet recently. Oh, uh, yeah. He could have been in Tenet. Yeah. Yeah. That movie I, I was I, watching. I feel like blocked out of my head because I had no, it gave me an annual. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was so bored watching yeah. Tenet that when yeah. I saw Martin Donovan, I'm yeah. like, hey, it's that guy. When you're IMDb searching actors in the background, that means the movie's not really gripping you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, the, these movies though that she did, like Trust, those are the kind that would be in the non-chain video store in the big city. And uh, Blockbuster not, could have. You never know, like in the back or something. Special or, interest. Probably, special yeah. interest, yeah. <laughs> but, Where it was like porn yeah. and wrestling <laughs> and sleeping with strangers. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see Kyle's uh, yeah. Blockbuster. Hey, Weymouth, Massachusetts. Weymouth. Yeah. <laughs> But they were Bank North Garden, not Garden. <laughs> there was a hardcore uh, gangbang a... porn section in Kyle's <laughs> Weymouth uh, Blockbuster. Did you say it's an Olive Garden now? No, I TD Bank North Garden is the name of the Boston Garden now, but it's a TD Bank North oh, Bank I see. branch. <laughs> 
My point was, I don't think these movies she was doing, they weren't. They were, they were widely, lower budget. They known. were, yeah, not very, um, you know, wide releases. They were, you know, pretty small. They, you know, the basic pockets of like New York, LA, Boston, you know, places yeah. like that. Maybe uh, Milwaukee. Maybe Milwaukee. Yeah, maybe. Wasn't on my radar movie. at the time. Yeah, yeah. I was watching, you know, Batman and the Flintstones. But basically around this time, Adrienne was like doing like small indie parts like that. Um, she was in that movie Factotum with, with Matt Dillon. Um, I never saw that one. I, I've heard of it, though. I remember that. That's movie. a rare rear rare <laughs> what's on your mind uh, that's a, alejandro's is, rare is it matt dillon's rare or who's rare that, it's a rare alejandro stump when you mention a movie and he says he hasn't seen it yeah that's yeah oh i've i haven't seen lots of movies the record scratches yeah. <laughs> or let's let's put it this way i didn't want to see it oh. wow oh. take per, 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 per. <laughs> Take that Shots fucking Matt fired. Dillon. Take that pony boy Curtis, you motherfucker. <laughs> so is Factotum good? Did I miss out? I didn't watch it. Uh, <laughs> Kyle? Yeah, let's see if Kyle saw it. Uh, it's my favorite movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, th you're right. That is one of the few uh, known movies that she did in her later yeah, career. Yeah, like uh, Charles Bukowski, it was about. Yeah. It's basically one of his like kind of novels or something made into a movie. So she did stuff like that. Small indie stuff around New York. And like, what, what movies can you really get just hanging around New York? Um, Trust it, and Factotum. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Um, so she was also doing small parts in Oz. Great HBO mm. show. Can't, undeniable. Wow. Uh, Homicide. Uh, also a, a really good TV show that I think the creator of uh, The Wire did Homicide. Um, and also Law and Order, which I think if you're a New York actor, you're mandated to do one Law and Order oh, a yeah. year or something. <laughs> Everybody um, shows up on that show. Um, so at that time, she seemed to like kind of like be doing the same stuff. And uh, she seems to decided to take her career into her own hands. And she wrote and directed her own movie. I guess this would be like her second directing uh, role. And she created this movie called Waitress, which uh, was with Kerry Russell and Nathan Fillion of what's that show he's in? Oh, The Rookie now. What show isn't he in? Yeah, yeah. he's. That's a better. I don't watch any of the other stuff he's in, but I watched The Rookie. Is it good? It's great. The first season's amazing. And I saw there was some actually back and forth with him and Dan Harmon recently when they because <laughs> Dan Harmon was creating like some crazy backstories about um, the rookie character. But anyway. Oh, he was TDK and Suicide Squad, too. That just came out. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. right. <laughs> Is that the new Suicide Squad? Yeah. Okay. It yeah, was actually pretty good. I thought John Cena was going to be the worst part. He ended up being like the best part of it. I liked it as part. well. Yeah. Everything but the kitchen sink in that movie. Yeah. But that works, though, in it. Yeah, it yeah. somehow works. It was a little much at the end with the giant starfish. Yeah. But chocolate starfish. Okay. What do I know? Well, when Kyle starts doing Limp Bizkit uh, quotes, that's when it's time to move on. <laughs> we don't want it to turn into Woodstock yeah. 99 no. over here. So this movie, Waitress, was a huge hit by comparison of like an indie movie. Um, on a budget of $1.5 it made $22 million. So that's wow, a bit that's of a wider release than Trust, I'm sure. So she made some... Yes. She was making some good money at this time. And um, she had just been accepted into the Sundance Film Festival with it. And she was super happy. Which is hard to get into, the festival. Yeah. Yeah, people yeah. think it's like, I don't know who people think, but it's like a really, and that was like more of the heyday. I think it's kind of like waned. It's in, lost yeah. its luster. Yeah, I don't think it's that But it big used deal. to really make or break exactly that kind of indie movie on yeah. a million dollar budget. Yeah, the 90s, 2000s, I think it was still like hitting pretty hard. So. Yeah. So the 
Waitress was just on the verge of the breakout success. It was like um, it was going to become a Broadway smash. She just had a daughter a couple years before. Which Wait, I, sorry, they were, they were in talks to do Broadway. Yeah, yeah, at, they, they, like bef- while the movie was being produced. Yes. Oh, uh, interesting. They were, they, they were in talks to do a Broadway show, which is still playing now. Yeah, it eventually so, did hit yeah, Broadway. Yeah, it yeah. did hit Broadway. But she was like developing how she would actually um, make the movie into this play. Interesting. Yeah. I, did, I hadn't realized that she was part of that Broadway deal. Yeah. So she was, I don't know if she's always had this, but she had a loft slash office in Manhattan where she was working out of, where she was doing a lot of work in order to adapt this into a, a, yeah. a Broadway play. Wow. Yeah. So before Adrienne could enjoy all this personal and professional success, she committed suicide on November 1st, 2006 in her Manhattan loft, which she used at an, as an office. As I mentioned, November 1st is my birthday. I just want to reiterate that. <laughs> happy um, birthday. Thank you. Well, very, very happy. What a birthday I got this day. Huh? Um, but wait, or did she commit suicide? Pam, pam, pam. I think you, somehow you know the answer. Well, let's see. Um, her husband, Andy Ostroy, the chairman and CEO of a marketing firm called uh, Berlardi Ostroy. Berlardi uh, Ostroy? Yeah, I don't even know what that is. I tried to look up- Major to, firm. Yeah, it seems like a scam to me, but you know- I hope there's someone else named Berlardi, or yeah. is there some reason for yeah, that Yeah, yeah, poor Berlardi. Um, <laughs> I, he, well, he got his name first in the yeah. company, so- Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so her husband, Andy Ostroy, dropped her off at 9.30 a.m. at her Manhattan loft. He goes off, probably working or something, um, and he later on tries to start calling her uh, at this loft, and, you know, it rings, 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 no one picks up. So, you know, at this point, you know, he's a little concerned, um, and he was planning on picking her up in the afternoon anyway, so he kind of rolls over there around 5.30 p.m. Um, in order to pick her up, and he's still trying to call her and stuff. She's still not picking up. He goes to the uh, security desk at the building. It has the uh, the guy working the front desk go up and let him in, and they go to the front door, and they find that it's open. And then when they f- go in there further, they discover the body of Adrian Shelley hanging from the shower uh, rod. So a total shock. Yeah. He's totally shocked. Everything points to it looks like it's a suicide because there's no trace of anyone else in there um, at that time. And they just don't really realize what happened. The next morning, the NYPD ruled it a suicide. It took one day? It took one day. The next morning. Wow. They must have taken her, did a a proper autopsy Mm. and discovered that she... um, they came to the conclusion. I don't even know if it's like just lazy policing or what happened. Yeah, it could just be so easy to be like, oh, tortured artist. Yeah. Move on, like do the paperwork and be done. Here's the thing, though. It, it's not exactly lazy policing because it looked like a suicide. Yeah. There was no evidence at that point of anything else. Well, at that point, yes. But they just, you know, I, I think police can be pretty lazy in general. If they did a full inspection of this uh, room and exactly what was going on, I'll just give it, tell you the husband did not believe this for a second. You know, what was going on with her life? Like whatever happened here, this woman, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, maybe when she was on an episode of Law and Order, she didn't have a kid yet. It it would have been more plausible that she committed suicide. But in this scenario, she was just signing deals to do 
big Broadway thing, which is yeah. her dream. She's been acting Wait, since so age 10. you're saying a couple years before would have been more plausible? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, you're like, working no, on no, the no. factotum actress it jumps it off bridge. <laughs> yeah. and, you're, and you're thinking, well, yeah, she was in factotum. Yeah. Nobody's going to watch that. Well, I'm, I'm saying in this scenario, it would be more plausible to say, okay, you know, uh, it's more of an open and shut it case. Ma- it makes no sense because everything's going so yeah, well. Yeah, so her. everything's yeah. going her way. going to the major leagues now. Yeah, she's big time. She's directing big movies and she's getting like big budget. Like she's already signed her next movie deal, which we'll talk about later. But um, so what happened was her, uh, Andy Ostroy, her husband, he went to the police and said, this is basically bullshit. Um, I want a re-examination of the scene. Uh, once they did that, the police found a mysterious muddy sneaker print on the uh, bathroom toilet where she was found. So once they, they looked at it a little bit further, they found, oh, wait, there is something here that we, hmm. we missed. Adrian's clothes were totally clean, um, and she died wearing socks, which made them wonder, why is there a muddy sneaker print in here? Right. The mud included traces of gypsum dust, which typically comes from construction sites. Uh, I had never heard of that, but I guess it's something that that they kind of throw down when they're working on um, construction, like on interior properties and stuff. What? Uh, the, the the dust. The very dust. specific. Thing, I yeah. see. Yeah. Um, so when detectives returned to the apartment to collect Shelley's computer and wallet, they stopped by apartment 37, whose door was wide open due to ongoing construction. On the floor were sheets of dusty construction pl- paper. Um, they saw a sneaker print that matched the ones in police photos from Shelley's bathroom. Mm. And at what point is this when they're following the lead of the footprint? I believe this is uh, this is like uh, a couple days after. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, I I know the the first few days wasn't it pretty bleak trying to find the lead. Yeah. For the husband well, from the I, husband's perspective. For, yeah, oh well, yeah. I think it's just so weird that. I think they declared it a suicide because the body and the way the strangulation looked, it, it seemed to point to that. But I don't know why they would just do an open and shut case without even doing a proper examination of the loft. Yeah, so if days later, then yeah. they find this So they footprint. go back there. So I think this is as a result of the husband asking for a more yeah, he was, investigation. Yeah, he wouldn't let up. So they, they, they went to get her computer and wallet. And then when they stopped by, there just happened to be an open door in apartment 37 where all this construction was going on. And I don't know what led them to, you know, they're just like, oh, there's people here. Maybe because it was kind of like an empty building other than that. Oh, wow. Then all these people working there. Here's the other reason why it was frustrating to find the lead. I read that other neighbors didn't hear anything. They oh, couldn't really? find witnesses in the building. Nobody heard any commotion. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, so it it must have been whatever happened. It must have been super quiet, um, and I, maybe that's why uh, an additional reason they just had no witnesses. They were just like you know, as far as we know, she committed suicide. So when they went down there, they did a they they inspected the dirty construction paper that was in this uh, apartment thirty seven, and they saw a sneaker print that matched the ones in police photos from Shelley's bathroom. So the print uh, on the floor there matched uh, the bathroom where on the toilet there. Okay. The police interviewed everyone at the construction site, which was run by a guy named Luis Hernandez. He gave up all the workers and told the police everyone who was there on November 1st. Um, After interviewing all the workers, they all pointed out that Diego Pilco um, had been working there and wearing sneakers that day. They were all wearing like regular work boots and stuff, whereas he was wearing Allen Iverson sneakers. (laughs) 
<laughs> for some reason. So they had determined what kind of sneakers it was. I guess, yeah. yeah. It, that, that's, that's based on my research, said there was an Allen Iverson sneaker. I don't know how they were able to like get the mold of that and figure that out. I think they just, you they compare it against a lot of shoe prints, basically. I guess maybe the maybe New York has a special department tasked with like figuring out like sneaker prints and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, the shoe force. That'd be a cool like, uh, you know, procedural cop show. That... <laughs> shoe print. <laughs> shoe print detective. Yeah, they, they head over to Foot Locker. <laughs> yeah. Interview people. Yeah, this looks like a, a 1995 Ewing. <laughs> so with all this evidence, Pilko was picked up by the detectives at his home in the basement apartment he shared with his cousin in Brooklyn early Monday morning following um, the death. Uh, he was brought to the 6th Precinct Station in Manhattan for questioning. At first, he denied any knowledge of the death. Police said he was acting like nothing happened. One tourist said he was like ice. Um, he eventually caved and admitted to the murder after police matched his Allen Iverson model Reeboks to the prints mm. found in Shelley's bathroom. He explained that he was having a bad day that day. Oh, my God. You know God. that old having a bad day defense. You <laughs> <Yeah. know? laughs> he was placed on a suicide watch after his arrest. I guess he was despondent. Um, he admitted he owed um, coyotes, which are, you know, people that like bring people over the border. I guess he owed them $12,000 after they smuggled him into the U.S. Mm -hmm. So he was an undocumented Im immigrant from Ecuador. He was brought into the U.S. at 19 years old. And by the coyotes. By the coyotes, yeah. And I guess, I don't know. I, some of these guys can be like some tough customers. It's possible that they were like, you know, threatening his family, threatening him. I don't really know the entire backstory, but I, I can imagine maybe there was a lot more going on there. That's just bad business, though. To not collect money up front when you're taking someone into a country. Like, well, oh, well, we'll find you or... Well, the assumption is well, that... Well, they don't have the money, Kyle. That's why they The assumption is they're going to be like endangered servants where they just work for it and then pay them back. Oh, so the coyotes were like running the, the site? No. No. Th no, the site was run by um, this gentleman, Hernandez, who was actually the one who was... He was renting the apartment out to the, um, the suspect. So mm. he... This guy, I don't know... I don't know. You might be honest. Maybe he had some tenuous relationship with the coyotes in which they had some deal together. Right. I don't know. The thinking is they're going to America for some reason to make money, to have yeah. a better life. Yeah. So perhaps that's why they pay later. That just seems like a lot of work to keep tabs on people like that. Like making sure they're not moving on you. Yeah, but that's the thing, though. I think, th like, if you were a coyote, I don't know how you'd put yourself in these shoes, but he's <laughs> Allen Iversons. Oh, I but, got him. <laughs> but uh, but you, maybe he had collateral, which was his family down there or something. So they're like, hey, uh, look, if you don't pay us this money, like, we're going to go after your family or something. Mm. That's just an assumption. I, I have no reason to, to believe that. That, that makes guy, sense. Yeah. And they call the guys that run out on the coyotes that don't make their payments Roadrunners. Is that true? No, it's not. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so I Drop just, an anvil on him. Yeah. <laughs> it's an Acme coyote. <laughs> so Pilko's side of the story, he was uh, he and two other workers were doing spackling on the floor below when Adrian Shelley came down and yelled at Pilko to keep the banging down, which was a red flag to me. Like, when you're spackling, what are you banging? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're just kind of like, you know... Uh, putting spackle on the scrape, wall. maybe, but... Um, he didn't understand English, so she put up her finger to her lips as to say, fucking shush. He shoved her out of the apartment and slammed the door shut. Allegedly, she reopens the door, 
slaps the guy in the face before going back upstairs. Now that's suspect right there. I like <laughs> from I all accounts, she was a nice yeah, woman. And I don't know, really know Adrian Shelley's backstory, but that's a wild thing to do. Yeah. Just to start beating up construction workers and stuff, you know. When they're like, not even being that annoying. Yeah, yeah, and they're spackling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would you keep that spackle down? So then at this point, Pilko goes back upstairs to confront her, and she calls him a son of a bitch, which he says he took literally and he got really mad at. when someone Literally? Called, I don't know. She was Ma- insulting his mother? Maybe it was too close to the bone and like his mom was actually a bad person or ran out of I don't know. Um, How did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to kill you, waitress. Um, I, I saw these guys fighting in Boston one time and one guy was just screaming at him, your mother. And the other guy was like, don't talk about my mother like that. He's like, <laughs> oh, didn't say anything God. about his mother, just your mother. <laughs> he don't just talk like, about my mother. He just acknowledged her existence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you acknowledge yeah. some people that just gets them. Um, so Pilko then punches her multiple times and she becomes unconscious. Um, he puts his ear to her chest and can't hear a heartbeat. Um, he fears he killed her, so he grabs a bedsheet, wraps it around her neck, and hangs her from the shower curtain rod, which must have been pretty sturdy to hold her. Because, like, yeah. obviously it was able to. Like, that part is definitely true. But what is she, 120 pounds? Yeah, still, that seems now very strong rod. It's not clear if she died. Well, to get the brand. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> Nothing. It was there were yeah, Allen Iverson sheets. Okay. Yeah. No upset. Uh, Kyle was mesmerized by the very, strength. Very of the sturdy. Ride. Yeah. Very that's... sturdy rod. <laughs> hey. Hey, my name's Kyle. My thing is sturdy rods. <laughs> no, for real. Most people have those like cheap ones where you have to like if I turn sneeze, them it to, falls over. Yeah, yeah. You, you have to turn They're like them plastic to or like kind of aluminum or yeah. Fifty percent of the bathrooms, she would have just fallen right to the floor yeah. and not been hung. Yeah, I I just bad luck. I couldn't picture that, but maybe she just had some really sturdy one that had been in there since like the you know colonial era or something, <laughs> and just um, who knows. An autopsy ruled that she did not die from the blow to her head, so it was the hanging, the yeah. asphyxiation that killed her. Was she unconscious when he did that? She that's he, what it sounds like. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I think he punched her a bunch of times. It would left her unconscious. He thinks he killed her. He doesn't know what to do. He's just going to try to cover up this this murder he just did. And he's going to make it look like a suicide, which is the only thing you can really do in that besides just totally hiding the body. Another version that came up at one point was that after she complained about the noise, he followed her up to her apartment and they had an argument. And then he threw a hammer at her and it hit her in the head. <laughs> and that's the point he panicked. Because she was going to report him or call the cops. So that's when he strangled her and hung her. Yeah, really? If you if he's punching her in the head and or hitting her with a hammer, there would be marks on Exactly. Her. Well, this guy has like <laughs> so many um, explanations because he has one more. Uh, so I'll, I'll go to this. Pilko later came up with a story that he was trying to rob her. So in this story, he saw her in the elevator. Um, he saw her and he watched the apartment she went into leaving the door open. So she might've left the door open, okay. which allowed him to go in there. So he goes into her purse. Maybe she, when she was in the bathroom, uh, he was going through her purse and she caught him. And he says she put up a struggle then in which I don't think she's putting up this struggle either. Mm-hmm. Like just let the guy get away with the, with the exactly. money in the purse. Who cares? It's nothing. 
She yelled she was going to call the police. He muffled her screams by covering her nose and mouth out of despair until she passed out. So he came up with this other story in in which he was just trying to shut her up so uh, she wouldn't call the police, basically. She fell to the floor and I was very scared, he said. When she fell to the floor, I saw she and decided to choke her. So this is the third story. This one to me sounds the closest to the truth. Yeah, because it it accounts for why there were no marks or bruises well, or anything. Well, this on her. is no, no. This is the other side of the story. Law enforcement said they confirmed that she didn't go easily; that she put up an actual fight. And when he came back down a couple hours later to back to the job site, everyone had noticed that that he had scrapes on her, and he said he got in a fight with a mover. <laughs> He hmm. came back down. So, so that he to... had marks on him. Yeah, he had a mark on his face. But she didn't. So his uh... skin must have been under her nails and stuff, too. Like, that stuff you check for in any type of murder or, like, suspicious death. Yeah. Because if they're fighting someone, then they have the DNA. I wonder if, <laughs> yeah, if it they didn't... just looked originally, they'd see, like, a whole bunch of fucking shit. No, I, they didn't find it. Wow. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't find anything. I, no. I, I researched it, and they they said there no, was no confirmation right. of DNA under her fingernails. Usually, wow. that is a thing. But he did have a big cut on his face, and yeah, she was kind of unscathed. So I don't know. Maybe she did put up a huge fight and just gave this guy hell. So those and other details about Shelley's killing emerge as uh, Pilko was ordered held without bail on a charge of second degree murder. Um, on the following Monday, he allegedly confessed to the shocking crime and admitted staging it to look like she had hanged herself in her bathroom. Okay, so after all that, Pilko was ordered held without bail and charged with second degree murder. So on March 14th, 2008, he was convicted and sentenced to 25 years in jail. After that 25 years in jail, he's to be deported back to Ecuador. Oof. So I don't know where we're at in that timeline, but... Coyotes I, got him. Yeah, the, the coyotes so or someone else. he's still in jail. Yeah, still in jail. And then they're going to send him to Ecuador. He's going back to Ecuador. Yeah, it's going to be 2033 that he gets out. Assuming he does all his time, maybe he'll get out for good behavior or something. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah. Better yeah. not. Maybe he's spackling in prison or something to get time <laughs> off his sentence. He's getting spackled um, and the, by Big Bubba. So there was some statements at the um, at the sentencing hearing. Um, Andy Ostroy um, said, no sentence will be enough for you. He raged at uh, Diego Pilco saying, you deserve the same fate you handed Adrienne. I want you to suffer like she suffered. Um, he said, you stalked and brutally attacked my wife, silenced her screams with your hands until you rendered her unconscious, and then in a brutal and gruesome act of cowardice, took a bedsheet and strangled her to death. So the husband kind of just said verbatim exactly what, what happened uh, mm. in the murder. Um, and then he said, you tied her up and hung her the way you strung up pigs back in Ecuador. Oh, my God. Which, yeah, I, harsh statement. I didn't really. Let's leave I, Ecuador out of this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great country, as far as I've heard. I've heard, and they're not involved in any um, disputes. They're any not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so Pilko, speaking through an interpreter, said he was resigned to his fate. He said, "If there was a death penalty, I would take it." He said, um, "All I want to say is, I know they're not going to forgive me. This is what I deserve." Was he sorry? He said he was. Um, he asked for forgiveness, and the mom of Adrian Shelley basically said, "You know, fuck you." Um, and the the Andy Ostroy said, "You know, you're not going to get any forgiveness from us." So that's kind of. It seemed to be a very obviously tense um, hearing. So all the family was there to make sure that you know he got what he had coming to him. Yeah, 
So after all was said and done, there was actually a civil lawsuit filed by uh, husband Andy Osteroy. Um, he sued contractor Bradford General Contractors who had hired Pilco and actually hired Hernandez in order to hire Pilco. So Hernandez was like the subcontractor and he contracted uh, Pilco to work do construction on that property. Um, the complaint alleged that Shelley would still be alive if the contract and Ferb had not hired him. Probably true. It's definitely true. Yeah, well, he wouldn't, well, have, he I wouldn't mean, have been there. They could have hired a different worker that had the same accident. Yeah, but I think this is a lot of circumstances that just all led up to this unfortunate incident. I don't no, know. I, I know. I, yeah, you... <laughs> Uh, Ostroy also sought just ignore me. Yeah, <laughs> Ostroy also sought to hold the owners and management of the building liable for Shelley's murder. Um, basically, what happened was the case was thrown out because they didn't, they couldn't see um, the contractor being liable for the death in those circumstances. Yeah, no, there's yeah. no way to foresee that. They dismissed it, but it took like uh, like four years or something. But uh, there, to me, it seems like there could be some safety issues with hiring, hiring an undocumented worker, and it's also illegal. Well, the problem is, you know, obviously this isn't, you know, we're not doing like a Breitbart, you know, podcast here. Like, we're not, <laughs> this is not some right-wing slant we're trying to put on. No, but... If someone does something wrong, it's hard to track that person down. I mean, luckily, whoever was on the site actually gave up the actual names of people who were there. So hats off to them. Yeah. Because without that, this guy could have easily gotten away with it. Yeah, he, he could have. Um, if those those people that work with him just kind of stonewalled the cops. Yeah, exactly. He, he, they would have had no way of knowing who the worker was, where he stayed, where he lived. And also, they, they you know, New York is a, um, what do they call that word? You know, it, Melting pot. No, it, it's, sanctuary it's, state? It's a sanctuary city. So this yeah. is the so, city yeah. that never sleeps. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Big Apple. Okay. <laughs> what else do you want to say? I um, heart NY. <laughs> <laughs> never again. Um, Don't forget. So, yeah, so they, you know, fortunately they were able to get all this information probably because of those rules. But, you know, even with all this said and done, the judge did not believe uh, that there was enough evidence to show that uh, this contracting company, you know, purposely put someone in danger or something. So the, the, the case was thrown out. And more than being an undocumented worker, they also could have done due diligence and background checks. Yeah. Like, the, obviously, I think if you're a company like that, you have to – that employs contractors, you have to do a background check. Like like TaskRabbit. Like, if you yeah. if you do TaskRabbit, you got to do a background check to make sure you're not a psycho going into people's houses and stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. In this circumstance, like, if you're brand new to the country and TaskRabbit, their background search doesn't really do, you know, other countries or anything, you could be coming from somewhere else and, you know – that's why I'm surprised that they're not holding them liable because it's an illegal way to cheap out on labor. Like you're you're purposely paying people a terrible, terrible wage who yeah. you have no way of keeping tabs on in the first place. So uh, I think that's a surprising move that he wasn't held liable. Well, this is an exact quote from the judge. Uh, While the court sympathizes with, with uh, Mr. Ostroy's loss, plaintiffs have not presented sufficient legal grounds upon which to hold Bradford liable for Pilko... Pilko's vicious crime. So I guess Ostroy left it in that he was considering appeal. Whether or not he did that, I, I doubt it. Mm. And so. let's face it, this is a strange story. Yeah. It is so bizarre 
that he would hang Adrian Shelley and there would be so little evidence that there was a murder yeah. where it really could look conceivably like a suicide. And for nothing, he says it was a robbery or, oh, she complained about the noise. Either way, it's such a petty thing. But I just don't understand the reasoning. Obviously, you'll never find out a murderer's reasoning, true reasoning. But what amount of cash did he think he she really had on her? You know, like 40, 50 bucks? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> is he like yeah. not making enough money there? You know, he's living with his cousin in Brooklyn uh, in like a basement apartment. Like how much is rent really? Like is he not able to pay his bills? I, I'm sure there was a lot more going on. Right. And this isn't even her apartment. This is the office. It's yeah. just an odd thing. It couldn't have been super decked out with stuff. Yeah, in, in which he believed like, oh, this is like a big score coming up or yeah. something. Maybe he saw the the gross points for future earnings of waitress in her purse. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the master uh, of the master copy of waitress was there. Yeah, could have grabbed. He's that. like, I wrote waitress. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was some hot trust residuals laying around somewhere. Um, but anyway, and she was law in, in Law and Order. I mentioned she was on an episode in 2000. They actually did a Law and Order episode about her murder, February 16, 2007, which is like what a pretty a couple pretty months after. That, like, yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Basically. Super close they started production immediately november yeah. 2006 to february 2007 that's not even six months D- during the funeral they started principal <laughs> photography <laughs> my god yeah that's a quick turnaround they do for a show i didn't know like usually wow. it's a year out or something for you know basic yeah. broadcast television uh so the nbc crime drama law and order broadcast an episode called melting pot there was a thinly veiled dramatization of Shelley's murder, and she herself had guest starred on a show in the 2000 episode High and Low. So, um, can we play the clip from Law and Order, which we is sure the opening? Can. About time. Any idea what it's like being stuck in here with a swinger? You're supposed to be the professional. You got a time of death? 11 o'clock, give or take an hour. Now, do your thing, please, so I can get her down. Name's Erin Garrett. She's the actress in some of these posters. She used some kind of nylon lashing. Okay, you can take it down. Any forced entry? The door was closed, but unlocked. No sign of a struggle here. This play like a straight up suicide to you? I don't know. Did she leave a note? Nope. It looks like her acting career was doing all right. Yeah, well, so was Marilyn Monroe's. Ouch. Oh my God. <laughs> Jeez. Boy, they really fit everything into Come that. Yeah, <laughs> don't hold back there, Law and Order. Jeez. Jeez, Christ. And they call the victim a swinger. If they're hanging. Yeah. I mean, oh what the God. fuck? Dick Wolf did this one himself, I think. He's like, I really maybe he had a you know touchy relationship with Adrian Shelley. He wanted to really take we, it out. We got another swinger. Yeah. Oh another God. swinger, yeah. Like did they mean swinger like sex swinger or like swinging <laughs> literally literally a, a corpse swinging? Oh my from... god. See, that's why I took it as first. No. That they were like a David Carradine type thing. No. I'm awful. I, my my head's fucked up. And they tidily say, it looks like her career was going well. <laughs> yeah, based on one poster in the yeah. background. Exposition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, it's so ridiculous. They're not even trying at this point. No. Just um, like you, I'm sure you could walk into Kurt Cobain's room in 1994 and see. Like, Whoa, never mind. In, yeah, u- yeah. in utero, you're like, Whoa, this guy's got a hot career. Yeah, he's got a hot baby on this. Uh, he didn't. It's a There's no way he blew his wall. head off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at at the time of her death, uh, Adrian Shelley um, had Waitress all done, and it was just accepted to the Sundance Film Festival. And it, it went on to play there. Yeah, yeah, it just went on to play there. Just months later. And I, I think it got bought at the festival. 
Yeah, they said uh, anticipated screenings at the Sundance Film Festival are always special, but Sunday afternoon's premiere of Waitress was more special than usual. This is not a wake, festival director Jeffrey Gilmore told the Capacity crowd. Uh, we picked the film before her death, although she did not know it. Uh, needless to say, Adrian Shelley is not here in person, but she's here in spirit. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, ju- just to have like be working towards something this big. And if you see the movie, like there's so much of her in that and like her love of her daughter. Yeah. This this goes on to say, um, waitress, a likable drama of heartache starring Carrie Russell as Jenna, a pregnant, unhappily married waitress in the deep south who gets sh- a shot at a better life via an unexpected relationship with the new doctor in town is perhaps the festival's most most mouth uh, mouth <laughs> mike tyson over here uh the festival's most audience friendly film and the audience was friendly very friendly back to it um viewers laughed at the homespun humor andy griffith ooh, nice has a supporting role as one of jenna's customers and hissed at the villainy of jenna's boorish husband played by the guy from clueless yeah that was jeremy's sister yeah uh yeah it's a great story dedicated indie actress makes turn Actress makes turns directing. What are you talking about, guys? <laughs> that's literally what it said. What is this? Dedicated story indie reading? actress indie... makes turns directing. Yeah, that's a weird thing. Finds sentence. big success. Yeah. What is this you're reading? This <laughs> is the report from the intelligencer, as I said. Uh, you didn't. Yes, I did. You and didn't. I, yes, I did. Yeah, you did. Okay. Do you have headphones on? Or, um... <laughs> oh, clean them out. <laughs> um, but what this doesn't tell you, because this was before it probably got bought, um, Fox Searchlight bought it for $5 million oh, after the boy. Sundance Film Festival. And it grossed 22? $22 million, yeah. I think it was a budget of $1.5 million and a box office of $22 million. Yeah, and it, it came out nationwide around May 2007. It was, yeah, it struck a chord. Yeah. Audiences liked it. I remember when it came out. I think it was a rental for me. I rented it and I was like, oh, you know, that's something. I I think I was just way, um, I had nothing else to watch really. And I was like, I, you know, I'll give this a shot. It was actually pretty good. Yeah, it, it's a whimsical movie. Yeah. Very much with like vignettes on the different pies she's going to make that match her mood. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it had good runners like that, like the pies, and and uh, Jeremy Sisto is a piece of shit in it. And it's re- <laughs> the funniest part to me is when he goes to pick her up every day at her waitress job. He just leans on the horn like halfway down the street, and so so she knows <laughs> to come, and he's not going to wait for one oh, second for her. That annoyed me watching it, hearing the horns. I liked it actually. I thought it was funny. It was a funny runner. Well, because it's, it's, it's so a ridiculous. real horn, so you're sitting there it's like beep, yeah. beep, and, and it's like, like an old up. Dodge horn too, yeah. which is like super obnoxious. And we have a clip actually of the movie. Yeah, let's play it. We sure it, do. It, to put it in context, she just finds out she's pregnant. She doesn't tell her asshole husband and her coworkers at the diner she works at are played by Cheryl Hines and Adrian Shelley herself. Yep. Ooh. So in this scene, Adrian Shelley is about to go on a date and Carrie Russell is helping her with her makeup while Cheryl Hines looks on. Oh, pretty outfit, Dawn. Thank you. It's a little tight in the butt, I fear. Oh, no worries. Men like a little meat back there, don't they, Jenna? I have no idea what men like. Speaking of more meat, does Earl have any clue at all that you're pregnant? No, he don't notice. Who's working the and tables? I'm never going to tell him. I'm just going to run away. <laughs> wow. How much money you got saved? Not much. $1,200. And I can save another couple hundred before the Jonesville bake-off. How much is that prize money? $25,000, hon. Wow. Life changing. What pie you going to bake? I'm not sure. Was thinking I'd make one of my real unusual ones like my mama used to make. One where you wouldn't think the ingredients would all go together, but they do. Huh. 
beautiful. Your skin looks like a normal person's. Thank you. <laughs> I know what you should do with that prize money, Jenna. You should open your own pie shop. Oh, yeah. You should have your own little pie shop somewhere. Somewhere where they could really use a little pie shop, like Europe or New Jersey. Wow. <laughs> My own pie shop. Nice. And later in the scene, Cheryl Hines leaves and then Carrie Russell shows Adrian Shelley what she looks like in the mirror. And Adrian Shelley is like, wow, I almost look beautiful. <laughs> she really dumps all over yeah. herself in her own movie. Yeah. And then Carrie Russell is like, no, not almost. You are beautiful. Yeah. Like the ugly duckling that becomes beautiful. Oh, yeah. Look yeah. at how pretty I am. Yeah. So Adrian Shelley made a very good movie, but she also gave herself a nice little part there. Yeah. Yeah. That made her, that was very well, she's flattering. Actually, she was a good actress too. So she yeah. wasn't just jamming herself into this movie and when she was horrible she was actually pretty decent so mm. we also have a clip of her talking about the making of this movie which was like I think she filmed this interview a couple months right before her murder so mm. this is her talking about Waitress and like how it related to her daughter and how it was so inspiring to her awesome I wrote Waitress when I was about eight months pregnant with Sophie and I was really scared about having a baby I just couldn't imagine what my life was going to be after I had a baby I thought it was going to change so drastically that I wasn't even going to recognize myself anymore and I was terrified the actual fear of how your life is going to change which is large in a lot of women is not spoken about it's sacrilege to say that you know becoming a mother is you're not allowed, you're just not allowed to have a fear about it. So I, I wanted to write a movie about those fears and, you know, give those fears a voice. But I also knew that, you know, when you actually have the child, that this other kind of love probably kicks in that you can't even imagine, which is true. It's a complete, unconditional kind of love. And I, that sounds it ominous. Life yeah, I know. In a, in a beautiful way. And it's, it is a love letter to my, to my baby. Yeah, and incidentally, the baby she has in the movie, Waitress, yeah. that's her real daughter at the end. Oh, Wait, wow. Really? Yeah, at the end. Uh, but it, not, it, not in the delivery room. No, but it goes into the future oh, okay, a gotcha, couple gotcha, years gotcha. at the end. So, the, oh. the movie closes with that shot mm, yeah. of her walking with her daughter away from the diner she now owns. Uh, it got 75 out of 100 on Metacritic. And this, also, this seems like a joke. Uh, waitress on Rotten Tomatoes made the site's list of top 100 films for 2007. Like, how many movies get made yeah. in one year? Can <laughs> we do the top 1,000 next time? <laughs> top 100 films of 2007. That's not that much of a compliment. No. It's not really something to get excited about. <laughs> like, was it was it above Happy Feet or below it? You know, we'll, we'll, we may never know. My wife. <laughs> yes. Well, we know Borat was probably number one. Numero un. Waitress was number tw uh, 48, just under Superbad and just above the Simpsons movie. Hmm. Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> U2 3D was right down there. <laughs> yeah. Ratatouille was number one. No Country for Old Men, number two. Oh, wow. That's why. There will be blood number three? Uh, there will be blood's not here. I don't think oh, I... number 16. Jeez, there will that's be blood. way 
too low. Yeah. You know, well, Paul Thomas Anderson is not really a blockbuster, you know, movie director. Whatever. You know, but he should be, but he's, you know, <laughs> not everyone's getting, not the whole family's coming out to Magnolia. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that Magnolia, I'll never forget, in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Oh, God. They had Dollar Movie Night. Yeah. It was on Tuesdays. So it was very popular. And the problem is the movies would get sold out very fast. So the whole nine yards was sold out. Mm. The hurricane was sold out. So now all the people were dumped into Magnolia. Oh, really? Uh, so when I saw it, this whole crowd that was watching it, they didn't want to be seen Magnolia. Oh, my God. It's frogs. Yeah, imagine three hours later. <laughs> Yeah. By the time the frogs start coming out, the audience was livid. Oh, they must have been going insane. <laughs> yeah, like, that was the weirdest movie I ever saw. But I bet you some of the kids in that were like, you know, later on, they're like, that was a good movie. And then that made an imprint on me as a person. I hope so. Yeah, or not. Who cares? Um, <laughs> so more recent uh, news on this issue is in 2016, uh, husband Andy Ostroy, in, in the upcoming election of... Donald J. Trump, the worst person in the world. How did uh, that election turn out? Well, I, <laughs> well, he did an op-ed actually in the New York Times about like talking about um, the horrible language Trump is using towards immigrants and stuff in that, you know, people shouldn't use the death of his wife as like a cudgel towards mm. all immigrants to, to, to paint them all with the same brush, that they're oh. all coming over and being murderers and rapists, whatever Trump said when he came down the fucking escalator. And the brush that Kyle was painting with earlier in the episode. Yes. Yes. We'll talk to him afterward. We're going to have a, <laughs> a conversation. Um, so he wrote this op-ed, and you know he was basically saying in October of 2016, do not vote based on like the heightened um, talk you know, speeches or whatever this maniac Donald Trump is saying. And please, you know, consider that when you go in the ballot, uh, the box office. Wait, the, the ballot box. box. Office. <laughs> yeah, the ba <laughs> when you buy your yeah. tickets. <laughs> when you go to see <laughs> where there will Trump. be blood, uh, vote for Hillary Clinton. <laughs> no, so he he just basically was was really trying to uh, to push for Hillary Clinton. Obviously, we know the history of that. That didn't really work out. But he didn't no. want his wife's murder case to be used as Well, he made fuel. some inflammatory yeah. comment at the sentencing hearing about Ecuador and oh, you know, yeah, exactly. about you and that. The I, hanging pigs. I think after, you know, he kind of cooled down and kind of changed his rhetoric and was able to kind of understand and examine like how he felt after his wife was, was murdered by this. It this was still very fresh immigrant. when he's yeah, yeah, very saying fresh. that. In the and he's seeing the guy's face and the guy, you know, he's a weird guy. The guy who um, clearly, um, uh, what's his name? Pilko. 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 He's a Sar very strange Sergeant guy. Sergeant Pilko. So if you start painting, <laughs> you get all, it? You, I get it, you know. Steve Martin. Uh, <laughs> um, so if you start painting all these people the same brush, Kyle earlier, um, you know, then you're it, it, you know, becomes bad for the country. And I think that's the case Mr. Austria was trying to make. So and, and of course, he's so enraged at first. He's going to sue the building. He's going to go after Ecuador. He's yeah, he find was, any solace he can. This guy's life was just broken in half. And I think he was just blaming whoever was in front of him, trying to find out, you know, who was really at fault. And, you know, sometimes in these scenarios, it's just something that happens and no one's really at fault except for the, the murderer. And you just have to kind of come to terms with that. It's almost a freak accident, except that the guy you know, murdered her in the effort to murder her. <laughs> but that's how random and 
bizarre the case is. Well, if the hammer scenario is real and he just tried to throw some matter and it just kind of like hit her and it just things spiraled out of control from there. Yeah, I could see how it just kind of like something happened and it shouldn't have and just two people meeting each other when they, you know, when when they really shouldn't have and, you know. <laughs> Sorry. I don't believe the hammer bullshit for a second. You don't believe the hammer? No. Why? Cuz she would have had a fucking dent in her head. She would have they would have found her with a hammer in her head. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Where did you come up with this hypothesis? Fucking hammerhead. No, it's I theory. swear it was one of the scenarios I read about. Yeah. Really? Hmm. I think he actually probably did try to rob her or intimidate her in some way. And then it just got out of hand. Yeah, yeah that's Fucking that's gay. definitely what happened. Because <laughs> the, the complaining about the noise, that just... Yeah, and also that my other issue with that is she goes down there, complains about the noise. The other guys working with him would be like, oh, yeah, she came down and they were fighting each other in front of me. Yeah. So none of those guys said that actually happened. They just said he came back a couple hours later. And uh, was like there was a scratch on his face, so that's pretty much it. Which is another thing, like what? Who's the foreman on this job that's letting people leave for multiple hours at a time? Yeah, it just it all seems so weird. But it's apparently, weird. it's like you know you're cheaping out. You don't really give a shit about where people are if you're paying people you know ten bucks an hour to do construction. Like any story, there's more to it that just never comes out. But I think they got the bare bones of what they needed to in order to put the guy away. So. Yeah. And what happened with the Broadway play? I know it. They I'm, put it on. Yeah, I know it's playing. Like I've I've seen like billboards of it in Times Square and stuff. Kyle, can you can you look that up? Uh yes. Um, it was nominated for a Tony Award in 2016. It was based on the 2007 film by the late Adrian Shelley. Yeah, we were aware of that. Yeah, already. did you know that? Did you know that? <laughs> oh wait, Adrian Shelley, the one who was murdered in her loft. Oh, I think that might be the same one. Oh wow. <laughs> Wife of Andy Ostroy? I believe so. Who worked at Belafonte and Ostroy? <laughs> yeah, whatever that name <laughs> nefarious company is. Okay. Uh, Waitress is a musical. Uh, Do we oh. know if it was a hit? Um, yeah. All right. Mark, can you look this up? <laughs> the original run was at the American Repertory Theater in Cambridge, Massachusetts, actually. <laughs> August 2nd, 2015. Whoop, whoop, whoop. It was the debut production, and then it went to Broadway at the Brooks Atkinson Theater. That ran from March 25th, 2016 to April 24th. Um, Wait, just uh, wait, sorry. April 24th, the same year. First preview was March 25th, 2006. <laughs> Opening night was April 24th, 2016, and then ran all the way till January 5th, 2020. Okay, so it was a big hit. Yeah, so then it went on tour in 2017 um, during that initial run and just had a lot of different runs in the Philippines, Argentina. Uh, it went to Japan. Jeez. Warsaw, Poland had a their own run. And then um, there was a UK and Ireland tour after that. It's, it's coming up this year, September 4th, 2021. Oh, wow. And then that's going to go till August 2022. Is that how plays work? I never, I know nothing about Broadway plays. I don't know how they work. I know that uh, Hamilton is something, the only thing I've ever wanted to see, really. That obviously was on Broadway, and now they're touring. So does it stop on Broadway, and then it just kind of tours around wherever they're going? Pretty much. It can it can go concurrent with it still being on Broadway, but... Um, it sounds like this one did. Didn't you say it closed in 2020? It sure on did. On Broadway, yep. but yeah, toured in 2017. Yeah. It uh, closed right before the pandemic stopped. This is a real mystery. What's going on with this play? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think they released the uh, COVID virus because um, <laughs> yeah. it started right after the play they stopped. They developed this play in a lab. Yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah, I think the the basic gist of her story is, you know, she just kept grinding, kept doing, you know, what she wanted to do. Eventually just, you know, started getting some, some um, you know, the fruits of her labor yeah. of like 20 to 30 years or starting to act at age 10. Yeah. And, you know, it's just this really unfortunate and thing. And finally getting the biggest break to the big leagues. Yeah. Getting the movie made. Well, just imagine that, like, you know, being a working actor in New York, everyone thinks you made it if you're on Law & Order or whatever those shows are. And you really haven't. You're just like, you're an actor. You're part of like a bigger thing. And I think Adrian Shelley realized she had to like really just take a hold of her career uh, on her own and actually yeah. do something herself, which she finally did, which I'm sure this movie was not easy to write. Um, it's it's like very slick though. It's like, mm -hmm. it looks like it's really whittled down and she knew exa exactly what she was doing. And I'm sure, you know, having written stuff on my own, it's like, it's really hard when you have a very general idea to kind of mold it into something that is as, you know, quick. And uh, it's a short movie, too. It, it, well, it's it's also she got the perfect actors for it. Yeah. They all slap on their thick southern drawls and yeah. good comic timing. She she had a nice little role for Andy Griffith in one of his final parts. That was his final one? I think, I, I think second to last. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's very entertaining. It's quite a legacy to leave, if you think about it. Yeah. Most people will never get that movie made that they always wanted to make. And she got it made, and it, it still is a play. Yeah, that will continue to be seen around the world. It'll mm. live on. I def I, I definitely remember reading the story when it when it first happened. I was like, I didn't really know much about it. Yeah, but then I eventually watched the movie Waitress, and I like you know you just never really know exactly the the details of something going on when you read it like a small blurb in the paper or something. That clouded my judgment for a while about the movie. Yeah, I couldn't separate how eerie yeah. it was that. She died right before it was released. She didn't even get to see it with, you know, in theaters with an audience. She didn't get to go oh, to Sundance. Brutal. I imagine mm. just that much work she had put into that, though. I just imagine the editing process and, like, I don't know. I've never shot anything that big, or I just imagine the level of, of detail and stuff that you're doing is like days and days and days. And when you're on a shoestring budget, you don't really have like an editing team to put together no. a final cut for you. And the movie has a nice look to it as well. Yeah. And That's like a nice light kind of like colorful look. Do you guys want to hear a piece of trivia about Waitress? Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're interested? Yeah. It was shot at a diner in... <laughs> What's so funny? I don't know. I don't know where it is. Somewhere in California. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Can you look it up? I love that. I, I have hey, now. I'm looking it up. I love that move. I have trivia, but you're gonna have to look it up. You, did you look up filming location waitress? You guys will like this trivia though. It's worth it. Is it? Yeah, I swear <laughs> to God. Okay. The juice is worth the, the working diner called the Halfway House Cafe. Yes, thank you. Sierra Highway, Santa Clarita. A bunch of movies and shows have been shot there. Like what? Like Westworld. Okay. And oh. Twilight Zone, the movie. Get Whoa. out of here, ew, sir. Ew, ew. So the segment, It's a Good Life, that's the same diner as Waitress. Wow. Wow. How's them apples? Hey, that's a different one. How do you like them fucking apples? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, that's crazy. Bringing it back to our first episode. Wow. And then the neighborhood scenes, including the 
doctor's office of Nathan Fillion. Mm -hmm. That's East Pasadena. In fact, a few doors down where Michael Myers looks over the hedge in Halloween. Oh, oh. horror uh, trivia for you guys. Yeah. I like it. Hard triv. That's all I got. I thought it was like deep in the South they were doing Alabama. That's the vibe I was getting. Yeah, they sold nope. me. They it's... lied to me. Yeah. Well, Halloween was supposed to be in Illinois and yeah. it was East Pasadena. Well, that's a good uh, good neighborhood to shoot in, I guess. Yeah. Or get shot in. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not get shot in. <laughs> um, okay. What, what final thoughts? Final um, thoughts? Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Jeremy Sisto? Or... <laughs> well, him too. Yeah. Or, or the Pilko. Pilko. What a pill. There was a 10-year um, <laughs> anniversary in which they a, lot, a bunch of actors uh, sent in videotapes. Um, I don't know why. they. Oh, it was right. all video things that they did. But either way, Jeremy Sisto sent in uh, basically a cell phone video self-tape, and he looks like a fucking bum. Um, we'll, 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 we'll we pull a, that up? We'll add I was a, say, should we play it? No, we'll add a picture. Um, we can play it maybe, but he looks like he just crawled out of a dumpster to film this kind of, um, it was a 10 year anniversary, I think either of her passing and of the, the, uh, the movie coming out or something. Um, what would you call it? A tribute? 10th anniversary? Um, no, I would say not waitress, but put Adrian Shelley. Oh, okay. <laughs> You had to bring this up. Mm-hmm. I know. We we were just we're on our way out. I had to bring this up. Um This is like fourteen minutes long. We were- Foundation happy tenth anniversary. That's a whole decade. Is that Sarah Silverman? Yeah. Know. In the professional world. <laughs> oh, this, <laughs> is him. this is him. I've been inspired many times by Adrian in my life. First as an actress in her Hal Hartley days. I was just beginning to entertain the idea of a career in acting. And Isn't I it a little insensitive to film this on a construction site? Yeah. You can see his right arm is holding his cell phone. Uh, so when I read the script of Waitress, I was not surprised that she had a truly one-of-a-kind voice. He's got a, a teleprompter. Being raised yeah. by a single mother, I am keenly aware of the challenges women face. Women make up a laughably small percentage of working filmmakers today, and that is not for lack of talent, for stories. I'm so proud and happy that Andy and Sophie are here to continue her legacy of encouraging women filmmakers. I hope everyone's having a wonderful night, and I wish I could have been there. Hi, I'm Cheryl Hines. And I'm Robert Everton. Oh, I can't listen to that guy's voice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't. Like, here, play it a Canada second. Day. Do you know why he... I want to thank the Adrian Shelley Foundation. Okay, that's enough. Stop, stop, stop. Do you know why, how that happened? My Deep mo- throat. My mom... No, no, no. Kyle. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you would do that to your own Massachusetts bro? Yeah, Kennedy's. Yeah, Kennedy. Criminals. Yeah, we don't we don't care. These these are another level of people that we don't really care about. Yeah. Um, But he was... I guess he was doing drugs or something, and... uh I, he was like really fucked up and something he fucked up his windpipe because he like smoked too much crack or something. <laughs> I swear to God. I believe it. The Kennedys are fucking lunatics. And man. now this guy goes over. He's an anti-vaxxer now. Oh, God. I don't really understand any of it. He's like on Fox News talking against the vaccine with that weird voice. The Kennedys have lost their touch. Lots of problems. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> Not the family of old. One more mystery to add to this story. Yeah. We just don't know. 
they mentioned the Adrian Shelley Foundation. Yeah. That was started by her husband. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is the, his YouTube channel, Andy Ostroy, right? Yeah. Here. So he he did turn that the tragedy into he wanted to start this foundation to encourage yeah. women filmmakers and empower women. Which he only has thirty three subscribers. Cause. I'm about to be the thirty fourth. What's yeah. up? Boom. Oh, nice. Bang. David I'll, Ortiz. I'll subscribe later. What? Why David Ortiz? This number's 34. Oh, okay. Kyle's little in-jokes yeah. with himself. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and there's one more posthumous project you should tell us about. Oh, yeah. Um, actually, funny that Cheryl Hines comes up because there was one movie that she had written. She had ready to go after Waitress. It was, Shelley had written. Adrian Shelley had written, yeah. It was called Serious Moonlight, and she was set to direct this one also. After Waitress. Oh, wow. After the passing of Adrian Shelley, Cheryl Hines took over the project as director. It stars Meg Ryan, Timothy Hutton, Kristen Bell, and Justin Long. Weird cast. Um, it premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival in April of 2009 and was released later that year in December. In one scene of the film, a married couple are robbed and tied up with duct tape by a gardener. Wow. He's yeah, tied I didn't. Up. I didn't watch it, but I. But I. That kind of struck out to me. That like, wow, that's crazy. Like eerie. You mean the eerie? Like, was that an yeah. added detail, or was that something that she had already like? Written? I think she had already written that. Wow. No, she. Yeah, Kyle. She added it after she died. No, I mean there are other people that <laughs> worked on the film. <laughs> Andy Ostroy became a producer for the film too. Yeah. And yeah. the film, unfortunately, it didn't turn out very great. I've heard it was bad. Rotten Tomatoes has a film score of 22%. Oh, yeah. Metac Metacritic Wee. score of 36%. That's he, on the lower side. Um, back to Waitress. <laughs> <laughs> Let's re-release that instead. Can't um, win them all. Can't win them all, but you know, I think people just remember her for Waitress and not for, for that or for, yeah. for anything else. And she did have fans of her early work like Trust. Yeah, Trust. I Not just because Jeremy Sisto said it, but it was actually, it was a really good movie. I liked it a lot. Yeah. yeah. You're a Sisto head. I'm not a Sisto head. <laughs> <laughs> we should get Jeremy Sisto to come in here hey, and we'll get some it. background noise going for him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Shut it up, Sisto. My Sisto. <laughs> Yeah, All right, guys, me. anyone have anything else to add? Parting words. Parting words. Any final final things to say? Don't complain about construction noise. Hey. Allegedly. Even though she didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> don't bring a hammer to spackle. Don't bring a hammer to a spackle fight. Yeah, don't bring a hammer to a spackle fight. <laughs> if you're doing work in your office, in your apartment, keep your door locked. Lock the door, especially if you're in Manhattan. Lock the gate. Lock the fucking gates. Mic drop. That's a different. Boom. That's a different podcast. Pow. <laughs> Pow. I just locked my gate. <laughs> locked my door in Manhattan. Pow. The gate is locked. The gate is locked. Boom. Ciao. Bye bye, guys. You have just heard a real emotional, heart wrenching story. A true Hollywood murder mystery. I have never seen anything like this before. Movies, Broadway, music, television, all of it. A place that manufactures nightmares. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Good night. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon.